Good evening, friends. Welcome back to The Front Porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How's your alternate Monday? It's wonderful. Summertime, good time to play. How, how's your, you're, you're out of the state of Indiana now, right? What, how's your last week been? That's right. I, I, I've had heard, a bit of an adventure. I've heard not great, so I want to hear the story. Yeah, well, it's a little bit of a, you know, not not great, but in many ways could have been much, much worse. Uh, Agreed, <laughs> like sure, sure. Um, so I am en route to uh, out west, um, planning on spending the summer in Washington and Oregon. Um, and the first major, like I made, I mean, I made a quick, a short, uh, uh, trip from, uh, my parents place in Southern Indiana to Terre Haute, where you're from. I'm probably yep. saying that wrong. Yep. Terre Haute. That's correct. Um, not in Terre Haute itself, but you know, half hour, yep. 40 minutes North closer to Paris, Illinois. Um, uh, yep. so now I've been to. I've not, now I've been to two Parises that are not uh, not France the, the one not the real one. Um, I didn't find any cheesy Eiffel towers in in Paris, Illinois, though. Was um, there one in Paris, Indiana? Texas. Oh, Paris, in Texas. Texas, there's one in Indiana too. A Paris, Indiana. I don't know if I've been to that. Like, is it real or is it just like an incorporated 300 people or something? Pro- probably. I'm I'm sure it's okay. a small thing. I've never been. I'm anyway, just, heard of it. yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are quite a few. Um, for, for all you Paris, Indiana people out there, we appreciate you. Right. right. <laughs> so I, I uh, over the weekend, this past weekend, was Memorial Weekend. And Sunday of Memorial Weekend, I was driving from Terre Haute, Indiana to Wisconsin, Wisconsin Dells area, where there's a lot of water parks and touristy stuff. Um, but there's a campground in my network here, which is why I am here now. I'm, I'm there. But on the way, uh, somewhere close to the halfway mark, um, I noticed my camper kind of bouncing, shaking more than it does normally. And the, the interstate I-39 was rough. And so I just assumed it was the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Sure. I pulled over to gas station because I had to use the restroom and <clears throat> got a couple of bottles of iced tea, like I sometimes do, because they, they'll have like a two for deal, right? It'd be yep, like yep. three dollars each or two for six or two for five rather. Um and when I was walking back out I saw something I didn't recognize under the the frame under the body of the camper. And so I walked around the side to look, and there's a piece of my leaf spring hanging down. Now, if you are familiar with cars, you'll know what leaf springs are. But basically, the the wheels are on an axle, right, which is a shaft that connects the two wheels. And that whole assembly is held down. That's not the way this works. The frame of the car is held up from that axle by what's called a spring but it's like what is it like it's not like a spring like a little coil that's in a pen or like right, right. tigger's tail in winnie the pooh <laughs> um it's a little more like the spring side of a safety pin 
sort of, where there there is a curl at the end where it's bolted, but it's mostly just there's a better there's a better analogy for this that's it's not coming to me. Anyway, it's it's some flat strips of steel that are stacked together so that they can flex. Yeah. But they push down on the axle to lift the car up. And on a car, there are also shock absorbers, which are some like hydraulic or actual big spring. Right. Um, this isn't that, right? Things on top of that, like yep. used in conjunctions, and then the, the, the leaf springs are like the the fail safe. They're the, the most I don't know, like mechanical part of it. Okay. Um a trailer usually only has maybe not usually, but mine only has those leaf springs. They're no shock absorbers because people don't ride in the camper, right? So it can shake around more than a car does. It doesn't have to be as smooth of a ride. Right. Um, they do there are campers, there are travel trailers that are made with shocks. Usually those are designed for like taking off-road if you're going to be rolling over rocks and stuff and keeps everything more stable. Um anyway, mine was broken, which meant that was broken on one side, which meant that the axle um, was, or the frame, I keep, I'm thinking of it upside down for some reason, but the frame of the camper, the metal frame that's basically the floor, it's like the floor of a house, right, mm -hmm. um, was resting on the axle on the right side. Oh. And the tire was rubbing against what we call the wheel well, which is like a box that um it's it's like in a car it's it's everything around your tires in the car it's like a called a well it's like a recessed area that's all weatherproofed and stuff for all the water and dirt and stuff that your tires kicked up and then the inside of the tire was also rubbing against the frame and was all uh bald on the inside as we say like oh. the tread was worn Man, off the you're tire right there. this sounds like it could have been way worse Right, right. And so in my mind, I'm imagining several scenarios, right? Like, what if that tire had popped, right? And then the whole camper would would drop down on the rim, like getting a flat in your car, except my camper only has two wheels. So it's like, that would drag and who knows what would happen with me towing it on the highway and I'd have had to pull off and be dealing with everything that I had to do that I'll get to in a minute, except on the side of the interstate oh, instead yeah. of... In the Nightmare. relative calm and safety of a of a gas station parking lot, right? Um, or like potentially really damaging the frame in some way, dropping everything down so low. Who knows? Something else could have broken off. There's all you know water tanks and stuff under a camper, or you know maybe the axle could have broken loose and done some other major kind of damage, or parts flown back and hit other vehicles. Whole like nightmare worst case scenario going through oh, my yeah. head while i was sitting waiting for a tow truck going well i'm probably not going to make it to wisconsin tonight yeah which sucks but this situation could have been much worse for sure um because it's still you know the tire didn't uh um puncture or anything like that yeah um unfortunately it was sunday on memorial weekend so nothing was open, right? <laughs> um, I right. mean, gas stations and things were open, but no, no mechanics, no car shops were open, auto uh, auto shops. Um, 
And so I got it towed, and we just went to a nearby mechanic that had a lot, you know, like a parking lot and, and shop. And I was like, well, I'll leave it here, and I'll try to call the place. I'll try to call them tomorrow, which was Monday, Memorial Day. Yeah. And probably just have to call them Tuesday. Oh, geez. Where, where um, were you staying this time? Just like grab a hotel or something? I, I grabbed a hotel. I didn't okay. have any, I didn't know what else to do. Right? Just, just kind of a local area. They just grab one, huh? Yeah. Well, I was in Peru, Indiana. Right. Another funny, or not Indiana. I always want to say Indiana. I was in Illinois, right. central Illinois, uh, about an hour north of Bloomington, Illinois, or Champaign-Urbana, somewhere around that area. Not there. I was about an hour, hour and a half north of Champaign-Urbana. Um, anyway, you can look up Peru in Illinois on Google yeah. Maps. Um, so I stayed two nights in a hotel, uh, Sunday and Monday, because still nothing was open Monday. And then went back to the shop Tuesday morning. They still didn't seem open. So I called another place, a tire shop, and described the problem. And they're like, you should probably talk to... Uh, this shop was called Lou's Spring and Weld. Um, okay. This town, I should also mention, is at the intersection of I-80 and I-39, two interstates. And I-80 is a major east-west. Um, I mean, all the interstates are, but it's right. the one that goes through, like, south of Chicago all the way to at least into Pennsylvania somewhere, probably, I don't know, Pittsburgh or something. And goes all the way out west. I don't know. I've not taken pretty, pretty it past, far, I think. Uh, like, Salt Lake City, I think. And right. then maybe into California somewhere. Although, I don't know. The Grand Canyon's there somewhere screwing stuff up. But anyway, it runs across a major um, uh, stretch of the country. So there's trucks, right? And there are a lot of truck businesses, right? So there's springs. There's... Um, like Atlas and Caterpillar and, and Big Mac, all the, um, the truck companies. So there's all kinds of businesses along this stretch just off of I-80. Right. Um, and so I drove up there because they didn't have a phone number in to Google Maps. So I was like, okay, that's a little ominous, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'll find out. I'll find out. I've got nothing... You know, I was supposed to work, but I'm like, I have to get this dealt with. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> So I drove up there. There was one guy there, so I talked to him, and he was like, yeah, we can do that. Is it is it here? And I said, no, it's down at this, this other place. Right. And I said, I said, can you recommend a towing company local? And he gave me the name of a place. It was this weird kind of thing. I don't know how big the town is. It seemed like somewhere around like 10, 15,000 population. I mean, towing can't be cheap either, I would assume, for your whole camper. No, no, it's not. And, and that's a that'll be a whole different thing I may have to try and resolve with my my insurance because the, the warranty I have on my car has roadside assistance, and that's who I called. I say car, my Jeep, my SUV. Um, that's yeah. who I called on Sunday. But they said they don't have the camper on that policy, and so they made me pay out of pocket. Mm. And I was stranded, so I just paid for it. But 
it wasn't cheap, and I'm like, if I'm going to pay out of pocket, I'll just call somebody local because the insurance sends a tow truck driver from far away for some reason. Oh, okay. like they have to they have to come, you know, forty five minutes away just to where I am. I'm like that doesn't seem whatever. Like if right. I'm not paying for it, I don't really care. Except I have to wait longer. But yeah. Um, anyway, so I called um, this place. It's called Fullman's. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll name all these companies. So if you're ever stranded in Peru, Illinois, um, all, all of these businesses were, were, uh, I, I recommend all of them because they worked out really <laughs> well for me. Um, considering the predicament I was in. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, the guy came, he picked my camper up, the putting, towing the camper is this whole process where they have to, it's, you know, they're not with the wheel problem they can't pull it they've got to put it up on the bed which i seems to me like how most of the towing is done now anyway that's what they did with my jeep um back in february but they have to hook chains on it and pull it up and it's got wheels in the back right but the front is a is a tongue jack right it's a um a shaft that comes down with a plate that rests on the ground like it's not supposed to move yeah. Some trailers have a little wheel on there, but those wheels usually aren't, um, don't have a high enough weight limit for, um, the camper. And it's not like, like a trailer with a wheel on it is usually something small, like something you're going to put your lawnmower on. Yeah. Um, you're not going to, you're not going to take and, and move around a 3000 pound camper by hand. Right. Um, and so right. it doesn't need a wheel on it. But that means when he's pulling it up onto the tow truck, that that jack is just kind of skidding along the Ooh, diamond nice. plate base of the of the tow truck bed. Yeah. And yeah, it was this whole sort of nerve wracking thing. And like the one wheel doesn't want to spin, right? Because it's rubbing up against the wheel well I mentioned earlier. That was the yep. whole thing. Anyway, the guy got it up there. He took it to the spring shop. And then while we were getting it unloaded and all that, uh, he and I looked at the tires and I'm like, well, these are the tires that I got when I bought it. And some of these, um, like a lot of things about campers are made cheaply, even for how costly some of them can be. But my trailer is fairly low end and it had fairly cheap tires. Now, the tow truck guy said they were U-Haul tires. I don't know if that is a is a compliment or a downside, but I've had them <laughs> and I've driven... I've driven back and forth to Texas twice and to Florida once and to Maine once all in the last year and a half and I've never had any problem with these tires. They don't even like lose pressure at all. But right. I'm about to go from Wisconsin to Washington State and I don't want to blow a tire out in the middle no. of the desert. Definitely. <laughs> um, Be terrible. And... And so I'm like, even without that, like it had been in my mind, like maybe I should get my tires checked out. But now that the one was all rubbed bare from this, this leaf spring breakage, right? Yeah. I was like, I should, I should just get new tires. Yeah. And so the tow truck, that's, that's the tow truck guy, <laughs> right, right. But it's like, while I'm here dealing with all this crap, let me oh, just you, do it. it's just what you got to do. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's, it's, and that's, that's how I am about stuff. I'm like, I, get real like i mean the two days day and well day and a half two days that i sat in a hotel like not knowing what was going on was real like i wasn't pacing the 
the floor or anything, but I just had like low level anxiety all the time because of the oh, mystery. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yes. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to find. Am I going to, uh, you know, is the mechanic going to look at it and go, yeah, we can fix this, but it's going to take two to four days to get part, to get the parts in or something like that. And so when I, they said the spring shop and I walked in there and saw like leaf springs stacked up on racks on the walls, I'm like, okay, this, this will be, this will be quick. And it was, he, uh, Lou's spring shop replaced the one and then we looked at it and we're like it's kind of riding a little high where the new spring was so there's more pressure on the old one and if the one broke i'm nervous about the other one breaking too and so i was like just replace them both right. and they're the same they're both new i'll have peace of mind um of course it's going to cost more but i would rather spend a couple hundred dollars now than again be dealing with the same problem somewhere else yeah, or in right. a month. Um, so yeah. I did that, and the tow truck guy called around and got me a good deal on tires um, just for specificity in the story. The Replacing the springs was about 430 some dollars, and two new tires installed and everything was about 235 Okay. So less than 700 bucks that, for all of that. That's that's surprisingly I mean, I want to say cheap because it's not cheap, but right. for what the it's, work, it's, right. It's it's not nothing, but considering the price of things these days, which feels like a really old man thing to say, um <laughs> and and the things I was worried about, right? When my um when my Jeep broke down in February, if they hadn't gotten the insurance to cover or the warranty to cover their part of it, that repair was like almost $2,500. Oh. So to be, to be in and out with brand new tires, brand new shocks or springs as I'm about to cross the Dakotas and Montana um, yeah. was a, was a good feeling. I was going to say that, that there's the other side of that thing too, is that, you know, especially when you, when you have uh, the breakdown and mm -hmm. you know, it's a problem. And then these things come up in any, pretty much, you know, what your, your, your travel is going to be like coming up. I think having that one problem would have made me nervous the whole time. And anything that would have came along later on and said, do you right. want to fix this? I would have been like, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, it would have I mean, made me nervous otherwise. You can you can bet that for the next, at least the next few weeks, every time I stop, because I do this anyway, even though I, in some cases, don't really know what I'm looking for. Every time before I leave somewhere, or frequently when I stop, I will just walk around the whole camper and, and Jeep and everything and check all the doors and latches and... um I've got a, a cargo rack on the back that has cotter pin things holding it up. I'll just check all of that stuff, make sure all the doors are locked. Um, and I still miss things because there's like, you know, there's almost a checklist of things when I tear down and, and set up camp <clears throat> to go down the road. I'm sure I've mentioned I've had my fridge door come open a mm, couple yep, times. Yep, yep. Everything spill out. Um, but one of the things I'm going to do is look at the look at the tires, look at those springs, even though they're brand new springs, right? They're going to be fine, you know, for years. Right. Um, 
but it's just one of those things that I'm now aware of. And I'm like, eh, how does that look? Are those okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Man, that's, but, yeah. that, that sounds like just kind of a, I mean, it's like all automobile things, right? Like you, right. they're all emergencies. The, the, very rarely, very rarely do you ever have something happening like, oh, that's fine. I can just, you know, put it off till later. Like right. e- everything with a car comes with a hefty price tag that you have to pay now. Or or else, you know, um, I I am thankful every day that that I can have one thing go wrong with my car and I and I can make it, you know, I, I can afford to be able mm. to handle it. But I know, you know, in my younger days, just, you know, my car was driving on a shoestring and literally if I pulled up the mat on the passenger side, I could do the Flintstones thing with my feet. And, and thinking, you know, if anything goes wrong, I'm done for, um, and basically leaving this thing on the side of the road and taking a bus home. Right. Um, yeah. And, and then, uh, the, uh, I would never travel too far because of that. I remember one time driving an hour away up to Indianapolis and I was with a bunch of, uh, uh, friends of mine or two other friends of mine and, we're driving up there in this car that I didn't think would make it across town, let alone all the way up there um, and back. And we, it was in the rain and I was just praying that, that something didn't go wrong because if it was, there's just <laughs> where we, this wasn't back day, back in the day of Ubers or anything. We were just kind of screwed and have to call people out of pay phone or something. So right. uh, it, it was just a wing and a prayer. So the, the, I guess long short, what I'm trying to get at is that it's just, it's unfortunate that it's so, such a in, in very important thing to people's lives. Obviously yours even more because it's, it is your Yeah, your that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. We don't, I mean, I've, I've, this, I've probably said something like this on the show, even though we don't talk about politics. And I don't know if this is even really a political thing, but uh, I mean, it is a little bit because there are lobbies making these things this way, but also decades of decision-making by people who came before us. But this country is is built around you need, need, need to have a car. Um, right. Except for a few small, like if you live right in a city and are wealthy enough to do that and, you know, work or walk or take public transit to work, et cetera, et cetera. But in my case, I'm living in the camper, right? Like, if I'm... If something happens, I have to get it fixed, and I usually have to get it fixed right away. Like, I was fortunate back in February that I was able to extend my um, stay at that campground as long as I did, and that they got it done just a couple days before my my limit on that stay. Um, but last year, I was doing the move every four days thing, where I mean, and again, it's I'm I've been fortunate. And and privileged or blessed enough, whatever word you want to use for that, that in most cases, something like that, I could get through, it would just be expensive. Right. And I can pay for that, right? Which is what I did this time. I'm like, all right, this is an inconvenience, but I'm going to have to stay in a hotel, I have to burn some of my points on my travel card, and and just wait, because nothing's open. And right. then when it is open, then I'll find out. And the the finding out, the getting everything fixed, I mean, I got both of those springs replaced, new tires put on, 
Um, all of that starting around like eight o'clock in the morning, because when I drove over to the first shop to see if the, and the, and the guy was there later when I went back to meet the tow truck. When I went at eight, he wasn't there, and so I was like, "This place might not be even be open. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have it taken somewhere else because I don't have time, and I want to avoid paying for another hotel night." Uh, which, if I want a place that doesn't have a bunch of negative reviews about bed bugs, is right upwards of a hundred and thirty, hundred and fifty dollars a night. Yeah, yeah, and Jeez. some like, yeah, but anyway, from. About 8 o'clock when I started, maybe 8.30 when I started talking to people and called a tow truck until I got on the road continuing back on to Wisconsin was like 2, right? Mm. So whatever this, 8, 9, 12, 6 hours, five, five, six hours to get, and it, you know, it takes an hour just to get the camper on and off a tow truck, right? Oh, so, sure. So all the, I mean, I was in and out with the tires really fast. Uh, the, the kid who did the shocks, you know, worked, worked pretty fast too. And so it all, I don't want to say it all worked out like it was good, but it really did. Um, you know, my other sort of, um, not fear, but like consolation in the situation was like, this could have happened this weekend or, well, yeah, this, this, this upcoming weekend, I'm driving across South Dakota, well, and Minnesota and South Dakota. And I'm going to stay next week um, near Rapid City. I'm going to go try and see uh, Deadwood and um, uh, what's the town? Spearfish. Oh, that'd be cool. And also Mount Rushmore is down there, um, which I saw as a kid, but like 30 years ago. So I'm like, that'd be cool to see that again. But anyway, that's on the far west side of South Dakota. You have to go through a place called the Badlands, literally called the Badlands. Um, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I could have, I could have had this accident in one of those places where the only thing around is a billboard that says only 374 miles to Wall Drug. To Wall Drug, yeah. I was, I was happy that you mentioned Wall Drug there. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean, where where I stopped to use the restroom, I was on the outskirts of Peru, Illinois, like. The first time I had it towed, because I had it towed twice, the first time I had it towed was like eight minutes. It was like a, a mile and a, maybe two or three miles at most because yeah. I was just on the outskirts of town. And everything I needed was in that town. It was like this could have, aside from having an actual road accident, I could have spotted the problem in a much, much less convenient place. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is definitely All things fair. considered. Yeah, the, the, uh, so are, you, you said you're going through the Badlands, are you stopping in the Badlands? Probably not in the Badlands, but, uh, I'll see how the day goes. I'm taking Sunday and, Saturday and Sunday to travel from here, um, and then I'm staying at a, at a brewery somewhere in the middle. I forget if that brewery's in South Dakota or, uh, Minnesota, probably South Dakota. Yeah. Just a little over the border. There, there, I, I will say if you get to go to Badlands National Park, it's worth it. Um, hmm. like, I'm I mean, we drove through when I was a kid, but again, that was 30 years ago. So, yeah, I'm assuming you're taking 90 over there. Um, right? Like, 
I'm, that's your your route. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the road that was through. Um, because that'll that'll go through Wall Drug, or yeah, the, the Wall Drug City Wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and right there at ninety in Wall Drug is you just turn south. I think it's on two forty, and you go to Badlands National Park. You, you won't really as as um. 90 goes, you'll, yes, you'll go through the Badlands, but you won't see as much of it as you think you might see. Um, cause it's okay. still mostly, it's mostly flat cause it's, you know, right. it's the, the Great Plains, right? Um, mm-hmm. and the, and then where the Badlands kind of happens, it just kind of like drops into these massive holes in the ground, I guess you'd say. Huge canyons is the actual thing for sure. miles and miles, but it, but they're flat on top. So it's just kind of like if you're looking at it from, right. The ground, it's just flat as far as to the horizon. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, some places it's not like that. But for the most part, from 90, it mostly is. Um, and you do get some scenic things, but not a ton. But just not too far, really, away from Wall is the park. And that's just a great little, you know, spend an hour to see the little their little vistas that they've got, little vista points, right? And just be marveled at what the heck is this doing in the middle of the Great Plains? It's stunning to me that that this is a real thing. Uh, I, I only went out there once. I didn't, and someone just gave me a recommendation. Same thing I'm doing here with you is that someone gave me a recommendation. Yeah. Hey, do it. You'll never, for, you'll never regret it. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, fine. We're on the way. That that that'll be it. We'll spend you know a, a day. We stayed. We stayed there one night. Uh, actually, two nights. Um, and just just because, and because I actually wanted to experience the Great Plains. And, uh, it, I just totally worth it. I was like, this is something that people should see kind of like seeing the grand Canyon, I guess. Um, right. and, and, and I still remember and look at the pictures and I think, what is this? Like, why, why is this, this here in the middle of this just beautiful, <laughs> when I went, it was a green farmland type stuff the, the plains were. Um, mm-hmm. and then, and then all of a sudden these huge Canyon things just kind of drop out and it's, I don't know. It's one of those things you reflect on, just like a lot of this stuff out when you go out west. And you just sit there and go humbled by nature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I have a real fuzzy, vague memory of seeing it as a kid. Um, yeah. But I would like to see it again. It's actually something Cogswell mentioned when I told him I was heading out west. Because my intention was to just sort of like when I drove with... Um, mom and, and back of my youngest sister in like 2013 or 14, we went out to see my brother and his wife in Idaho. And we just went across up north. Like we went up to Duluth, not Duluth. Uh, that's the other way. Um, Fargo mm-hmm. and across North Dakota, Montana into Idaho. And, when in 2017 I did a similar trip by train, which goes even further north than yeah. uh, um, whatever interstate that is, and I want to say 90, but I think that's further anyway. Um, <clears throat> and it's just desert and all that. And and Cogswell said that about the Black Hills and stuff in South yeah. Dakota, and yeah. I was like, you know, I've not been through there when I took the motor home in 21 to um, Salt Lake City, I went south. I went through Wyoming um, and Nebraska. And like I said, 
a minute ago, the other trips to Idaho, we went north. So we went mm -hmm. north mm -hmm. and south. And on the way back from Idaho, we did go down into Wyoming through um, Yellowstone. Yeah. Right? And saw, saw Old Faithful. And yeah, I got to see that. Some, some elk and all that stuff. And then drove sort of rural mountain roads down through Wyoming uh, and then back across Nebraska because we were going to see uh, my buddy Sean, who we had on the show mm, yeah, a few years yeah. ago, because uh, he was living in Omaha at the time, so we went through Nebraska. But again, both times just sort of cut north or south of South Dakota, and I was like, I should go through South Dakota, and then I'll spend a week, so I'll have some evenings to go in and check out Mount Rushmore again and maybe see what Deadwood looks like, the Man, real Deadwood. Heck, I, you know what? I know I've been through Deadwood, but I, at the time, I had no appreciation for, obviously, right. the show that right. we watched. Exactly. Um, at all. Like, I, I think it was just a stopover so we can get some gas or something um, and then moved on. M maybe saw a touristy thing. Uh, but well, that, and, it's, that it. and it's funny to me to see real towns that you know are mentioned in shows like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yankton and Spearfish and... That's all from Deadwood, but like yep. Mankato uh, is mm -hmm. a town they're always going to in um, in Little House on the Prairie, oh, and yeah. that's a real that's a real city in in Wisconsin. Um, huh, cool. Close to the real Walnut Grove, because um, yeah, yeah. of course that show was based on books, which were autobiographical, right? Right, correct. So there's real story. places, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, w one last thing yeah. I would recommend too, is, and this is just as you're out there, not, not, but like, so you're, since you're going out West on 90, right, right. It's not even five miles before wall. It's pretty close. Um, there's the Delta nine minute man missile silo. And it's, that place is just off. Like there's an intersection right between a, a, mm -hmm. an off ramp. And then it's right off of it. I'm not even saying I, like a football field my, away. I think my parents might've gone there. Yeah, recently. it's it's worth going because it takes you a whole half hour at most to kind of look at. Maybe not even right. that if you don't go in there. But the the weird part about it was that it's like, a, like I said, it's just not even a football field off the highway. So you, you go there, stop. You know, as long as you take a, a dinner break even would be longer than it would take to spin there. Um, right. But they've got a, a – it's a trailer. I remember going there thinking like, what are, we're going here and there's a trailer. Uh, at least it was 10, 15 years ago. And, uh, and, and it was just a trailer and you go inside and they have like a little presentation, which you don't have to go to at all. Uh, but you go in and check in and then kind of across the street is just a fenced, like a fenced off area. And it's, you know, six foot tall fences with barbed wire above it. Um, and you walk up to the edge of this concrete circle, big concrete circle thing. And you look down, uh, in the window below and you see the missile for a nuclear warhead right there. Mm. And you're like, holy cow. And you can see how far it goes down. There's this whole tunnel complex underneath underneath you. But it looks just like the the Great Plains you've been seeing this whole time with a, a short, flat, fenced-off area. And then you recognize, oh, I've actually seen these fenced-off areas all over the place on the way out here. Mm. And then you start to be like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. there's <laughs> This is where they launch stuff <laughs> is in this area of right. the, the world. Right, it's just this this desert in the middle of nowhere where they could, where the government could buy up land and yeah, it's it's, it's flat, um, very predictable weather, and 
it has, um, um, like if, if they attacked them, someone attacked them, there's very little damage overall besides the, the facilities themselves. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, you see them as you go out there, but then being able to walk up to one legally, obviously, because they're protected government facilities otherwise, uh, and then peer down into, from the top down into one of the silos is just super cool. Um, and then you travel on five, you know, five miles to wall drug and then another mm-hmm. 10 minutes down South to the Badlands. You're like, Oh, this is kind of cool. All in, in this one area. Um, Badlands might be a, a little bit further down, but it's not, it's not that far at all. Uh, but it's all in this one little area after you've driven like 12 mile or 12 hours of nothing. <laughs> right, right. And then, and then the cool thing I know about going out West is, which I'm really jealous that you get to do is obviously then you hit, you know, the Black Hills all of a sudden hit this big, massive thing that is this the Black Hills National Forest and is incredible. And I'm super jealous. Um, I don't <laughs> think that I would ever drive out there again. Um, I am gr- glad and gracious for the fact that I had the experience to be able to drive across country that you're going to do. But I don't I I won't want to do it again. It's just because it's so long. Right. It's just so long of, of nothing. Um, if I was a, a passenger, I would love it, but not, not as a driver. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, I'd fly out to somewhere like rapid city and then, you know, uh, head out from there. Um, sure. But yeah, it's, it's the black Hills are so cool a whole different world. Um, I'm, I'm, I, as I just said, super jealous. I'm, I'm, you're telling me all about it and all your adventures out there. So it's very, it's very cool. Uh, once you hit. I know for me, once you hit, it's kind of like hitting the Mississippi. When you go out west and then you pass the Mississippi, the world is different. And then when you yeah. hit, when you hit the Black Hills, everything west of there is different. It's just okay. It's the I mean, you've driven through the Rockies and stuff like that. So yeah, and and Idaho, it's just a whole different world out there, which I super appreciate. And and I honestly wish more people in the world could just drive across America like that. Crossed, I said cross mm. because you see how huge this country is and how vastly different every area is. And to just appreciate how different people can be because their environment is so vastly different. You can see it on TV and watch it on, you know, wild kingdom or learn about the Midwest or the Appalachian mountains. But until you actually drive through there and stop and walk for, walk around, do you realize, Oh, this is a different life in Cody, you know, Wyoming. Right. Um, it's, it's not the same when you, your, your nearest, you know, Kroger or gas station is three hours away. Yeah. I think, I think I mentioned this a couple months ago, but I stumbled onto a series of TikTok videos that really, if they didn't come from YouTube, it definitely belongs on YouTube because like there's no reason to have like an eight part TikTok series <laughs> there's for, so many for this video. But it it was just like running down all of the ways uh Wyoming and Colorado are different mm-hmm. and all of the ways that they're similar. Because in a lot of ways they're very, very similar in terms of topography and yeah, sure. resources and all these things but Colorado has like it's more than it's more than 10 times it's like several orders of magnitude higher population mm-hmm. than than Wyoming um and and that was interesting i also I mean, saw you, an interesting video you can tell cuz Yellowstone is just on the on the say 20% 
top of Wyoming, whereas Colorado right. has the Rockies that are just this huge dominating thing of the entire stuff, and everybody lives in Colorado Springs, Denver, you know, Durango. Yeah, there's, like there's airports. There's a lot of, um, for several reasons, like the the federal government put a lot of stuff in Colorado, um, in Denver, instead of Wyoming. And I, I think the video talks about why, but I don't remember now why. Um, there are other interesting things about, like, what what percentage of certain states is state land, right? You're like, oh, here's the box that says this is Utah, except something like 60% of the land inside that box is federal land. That's sure. the U.S. government's land. It's not Utah's that. land. Um, and it's, I mean, out west, that's much more common than it is in the eastern states. But yeah. you're like, huh, that kind of really changes the way that a state thinks about the federal government, right? It's sure, yeah. Sort out of, like, by necessity. Um, and, yeah. It's, it's, it's just hard. It's, it truly is hard to even explain in this like, a podcast that we're talking about with people listening and thinking, oh, I see what they're saying. Well, that actually going out there and experiencing it. Um, right. and I, and I have only had one experience, one, two week trip. So I'm not saying I, people who go out there all the time and live out there and such that, you know, understand this more than me, but, and I just talk about the West, you know, there, there's Montana is a different place than say, um, Arizona and the way their culture is. And Texas obviously has a different culture than Ohio does. Um, you know, you don't understand what living in, um, Kentucky is until you can actually spend a week in, in, um, like the Smoky mountains, you know? Um, right. And yeah, that's that's one of the things I'm sure I've said this before, too. But one of the things that I learned, you know, in this and, and I don't even though I'm traveling, I don't do a lot of touristy things. Right. Mm -hmm. Like most of the week, I'm just here in the camper working, playing video games, doing normal stuff that I am. And then when I'm driving, I'm just driving like I don't stop a lot. I try to. But, you know, if I have to drive five hours in a day, I don't want to stop three times and spend an hour doing a touristy thing. Sure. Um, but one of the things that is um, very kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Memorable. Yeah. Um, is going to a place and finding a really small museum. And I don't mean mm, like yeah. a, muse a museum museum, but like when I was in LaGrange, Texas, I went to a train museum and it was the old train depot that's still right on the tracks. Like most of the old train depots aren't on the tracks. They've been moved or the tracks yeah. are gone or whatever. And there's still a BNS BNSF line that runs right through there. And it's just like a little historical society, like a, like three or four couples, uh, pitched in to save from being sold or mm -hmm. demolished or whatever. And, and now they run it. So it's when I was there, it was a guy and his wife just there on a Saturday afternoon. And they're just full of stories, right? They I know all this I stuff agree. and they and they love what they're doing. I did the same thing in Virginia on the um, there. I'm sure that I talked about this at the time, but there's that peninsula peninsula of land um, that's it's all of Delaware, some of Maryland and this chunk of Virginia that doesn't touch the rest of Virginia, the triangle of Virginia. Yeah. Um, and there's a museum there 
um, for what did they call it? watermen or something? There's these people that fish and they or they they um, I think they're crab fishing and like crab fishing in Virginia is very different from crab fishing in Massachusetts or yeah. in Maryland. Yeah. And, but one of the things he said was he could go places like he could go to, um, Pennsylvania or Wisconsin or, or Minnesota, like places on the great lakes. Yeah. Right. Where there are fishing, like communities, people. Yeah. Right. And they're like, you know, I am from Virginia on the coast, but there's also the the sounds and other water there. And we have these boats and my dad had this boat and I do this boat. And then people up in Maine and Massachusetts that are doing, you know, ocean fishing. They're going out and catching tuna or swordfish. I don't know, whatever. Or in the Great Lakes, it's different water different fish but it overlaps right like they're all doing like the the details of what they're doing is completely different but they can connect through a similar lifestyle not not even lifestyle but like culture if that makes any yeah sure yeah and so so it's like it there's there are several aspects to it, right? Where you see, like, you go to a another state, another place, and you get far enough away, and you're like, "Wow, this is really this is really a different place, right?" It's not like it's not like the difference between one town and another in Southern Indiana, where you're like, "Yeah, people are different here because it's a smaller town, but it's <laughs> still Indiana. It's still trees and farmland and whatever." Yeah. yeah. Um, but you go out somewhere where like. Wow, this is really it's it's almost like a desert, right? I can look and I can see the sky for miles because there are no trees out here. It's so strange, right, and, and different. But then at the same time, you can meet people who are hundreds hundreds and hundreds of miles apart and you know, grew up in the same place and or grew up in a different place and have a different um you know, uh, uh, perspective and experience and all the yep. things yep. they say are different, but are still, you can th- still have things in common, like still have things you can connect, um, um, connect on. Ha- have, have together, I'm, right? I'm, I'm meandering around a point that I'm trying to make, but. <laughs> well, the, the, um, uh, by the way, I want to make a correction. I had said, I had, mentioned Tennessee with the great, or sorry, uh, Kentucky with the great smoky mountains. It's a Tennessee thing. I sp- mm. spoke wrong there. So error correction, that one. Um, yeah, the, the, um, I, I have, I need to go more out West. Like I need to, to visit further in, we get into desert territory. I'm a little, I'm a little mixed on because I'm not a, a you know, deserty kind of, kind of guy who likes just nothing but heat and heat. And I remember vividly sure. going through, going through, um, I can't remember the state it was now, but I, w- I want to say it was Wyoming, um, but it was probably South Dakota that um, it was just heat and there was just like mirages for as far as you could mm. see because it was so hot. And the thing said it was like 95 on the dash. And I was like, oh, man, 
as as your situation. Please don't break down. Please don't break down. Please don't break down. Because <laughs> uh, it would just be a, a nightmare out there. Um, you know, obviously people die. Uh, but one, right. it's different when you get a little bit out out in the, the West area, like you mentioned, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah. Um, and, and then it's this uh, breathtaking geological area mm. of, of the world mm-hmm. where it's a two tectonic plates, you know, joined to each other right, uh, right. and you just have the world upending each other. So anyway, yeah, I, I, I have such appreciation because of that one trip that I took to how the earth is different. And it just makes me not just appreciate America, but want to visit the rest of the world for their incredible environments and stuff. You know, I, I look at some place like China that is a massive country that has incredible amounts of geology all across it, across, mm. across it. You know, even Canada has such a, a large things uh, within it. And uh, those people uh, who like our buddy Pete, who, you know, travel all the way across Europe and see all the different places there. Um, the world's right. just a hugely different place. It's, you know, especially when you, I love that you mentioned like little towns that are next to each other. When you're in Europe, Europe is a lot like, say, the eastern United States, where it's not terribly too far from another city to another city all the way across Europe. It truly isn't. Right. There is definitely, there's obviously Swiss Alps and things like that in there, mountain ranges and places. But overall, it's more like the, the, the eastern United States. And then you go out west, and it's nothing like what Europe would be like. So that it's just a different world and different people. And, you know, I think it helps you have perspective and hopefully understand people better. So good, good luck on your trip out there. That's, that's going to be super cool. I, uh, I'm not going to go out there anytime soon. I think, although I, I, I should, especially, well, I'll listen to your reviews of Deadwood and such. Cause <laughs> I just want to see Deadwood like, and appreciate where it came from to whatever it is now, you know, Right, and say, ah, oh, you know, I, I know some of the history here. Oh, I wanted to mention you talked about museums. Uh, we had a, a small like museum, historical museum in Terre Haute where I grew up. Um, it was just down the street for me, so I got to go to it a little bit. Um, and it helps me appreciate what you were just saying. It's that yeah, it gives stories that you won't see on the internet, right? Because you, right. you get the all the big museums and all the, the things in there, but. It was a lot about the local history of the town, you know, things that came through there. I remember reading about the Underground Railroad and, you know, um, Coca-Cola Bottling Company come there for the first time and just how the history of the, the city was formed and the people came here and the fur traders. And like it's just the, his, the local history of the area and what's important. And you'll never know that unless you go to those little places like that and, and see them. Uh, and they have the obviously little trinkets and pictures and stuff. Heck, I even love going into some of the the buildings we have here in Bloomington and looking at pictures on the wall. One of our favorite little hangout places, the the Alley Bar, has you know old pictures of you know the the main street outside. And you're like, mm-hmm. wow, it's just so incredibly different how things change. I mean, we see it ch- change in our lifetime uh, dramatically, let alone what right. it has in two hundred years of wherever it is. Ah, uh, well, we've prattled on enough. For stuff. Um, let's talk about some of our items this week. I got to play, uh, well, first off, let me just do some video games real quick. Um, 
I've, I've been started playing Grand Blue versus. It's called Grand Blue Fantasy versus. I guess the the series. It's a kind of an anime series called Grand Blue Fantasy. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, and, and they have a, they've had a game out. Most of it's like a free to play type games. Um, sure. th- this one used to be a free to play game um, with a bunch of gotcha stuff. Gaucha, however you say that. Um, sure. And the it, it was released on PlayStation. They changed it into a, a, pay, a, a no longer like random bo- loot box type thing. They still have the, the gaucha systems, um, but it's, you know, you don't pay money anymore. It's, you know, in-game currency and such. Um, okay. And they released it oh, several months ago, maybe even a, a little bit less than a year ago on PlayStation Plus for their free, one of their free games. It's a fighting game because it's the versus uh, but totally different, like anything I've ever played before. Uh, it's very anime heavy, so it has like you know you do a super move and it's got huge anime cutscene type stuff. Um, and the, the the only news I want to report on it is that it it had it's one it's weird playing a gotcha game on a console instead of like just on on your your phone. Sure. Um, two, it's amazing how these this genre of you know gotcha type games are made and it's accepted that a lot of these things have no explanations to these systems in these games have no explanation on how they work and you just have to play them forever to figure out oh that's that and this is that um and there's they just really terrible on any kind of um tutorial so i've bounced off this game like three times but because of the art style, I just keep wanting to come back to it. And it's a fighting game. And it's got an RPG mode. Um, so I keep coming back to it. And this time, this last weekend, I put some serious time into it, Like six hours of playing it. And reading and researching and reading on Reddit and all those certain ways of what these things are. And to finally, I felt like I figured it out. And I knew what to do and how to do it. And I'm really enjoying it now. But man, nobody should take that long to figure out how to play a game. It's 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 just it's just crazy. It's unfortunate because it's such a a fun actual game to play with a neat story, great characters, um, and the systems are pretty fun once you figure them out. But uh, I'll give you an example: when you equip a weapon in one of your slots, there's a lot more to this, but and it says, um, "Ocean Wave." Uh, 25% to ocean wave. And you're like, okay, what is ocean wave? There's nothing anywhere called ocean wave at all. And it, but it's your main weapon and it powers all ocean wave. You're like, I don't, is this something I unlock? Is this a character? <laughs> what, what's happening? And it's, and it's a choice that I have to make to put ocean wave or this other stuff. I don't really know. Uh, and then after a lot, a lot of reading, it's that many weapons have a little in their description that says ocean wave on it, but it's just in like the flavor text or um, in a side note type stuff in a little bitty font. And you're like, what? Uh, And then those have like a little Omega symbol in the corner, but there's no explanation of what that Omega symbol means or why it has it. And you, I look it up and they're like, oh yeah, they, they just put that in there to denote that it's a good item, but they don't explain it to you in any way. There's nowhere in any way that it says that. And like people just figured it out on their own math and time and effort. Like this is just 
terrible. I, I don't <laughs> understand, you know, how, how people make these kind of games. I, I feel like I'm bagging on this game, but it, it's a it fun remind, game. But it reminds yeah. me of trying to learn Magic the Gathering. Yeah, kind of. You know, I, I I think some of the Magic cards. Well, maybe not. But some of them say like it has a keyword, and then it says what it does afterwards. But I guess maybe I haven't played it in like ten years, so who knows? Um, they've got so many words now. You have to have an encyclopedia to to go. Through. Yeah, I mean, it's been again not thirty years, but at least twenty five years since I tried to play Magic. Yeah, and I think they had just introduced phasing. Oh, geez, yeah, as right. a mechanic Sorry. and i you know sort of guessed what that did and i definitely had it wrong and i didn't know until my one friend who also played explained it to me it's just yeah and and that's one card mechanic there's multiple cards with many different mechanics on them and you're like oh my god huh? and so yeah that's that's kind of how this was and that's just by the way one part of multiple things and systems in this game that that don't explain anything in any way I, sure. You know, I get I play a couple other gotcha games on the, on the iOS just just for fun, and they at least have little exclamation points that you can click, and you know, give some information. Uh, right. Man, th- this one is just really really obtuse with that that stuff. And, and it's, like I said, it's unfortunate because it's it's actually a fun game to play. Um, but anyway, moving off that one, I played the the open beta of Street Fighter Six, which happened last not last weekend but the weekend before last. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, massively surprised at it. Um, I like fighting games, but a problem with fighting games is that to truly appreciate them, you have to play with other people like it's best live. And then, um, you have, they have to be equal, equally excited about it as you are. Right. Sure. Like you can't, if you got somebody just like, I'll play with you and mash on some buttons and never really care to learn a a thing. (laughs) It's just not the same experience. Right. Um, So I've, you know, games that don't have good single player content to them, fighting games, I've just kind of dropped off and only casually play when someone has it or there's a free weekend or something. Street Fighter has been that series for a long time. I like them, but, you know, I'm not going to buy a Street Fighter game. Um, This one introduces and they went a total different direction. It's got the basic core game to it, but it's got this thing called uh, like world tour mode or something. And it's a whole very story-driven, open world, create your own character, walk around the city, challenge people on the streets to fights, random NPCs, um, go to dojos where there's, you know, like legendary characters like Chun-Li who runs a dojo there. And then you've got to pick up quests for her to earn her, uh, earn her quests even further. And then once you do certain things for her, you can unlock her ability, one of her like big famous ability character abilities, and then you can add it to your arsenal of abilities for the character you've made. It's just like a whole super big story driven mode uh, to this game, and I'm like, just it's just it's just a whole different game. And I thought, man, this is one that I could actually play. I could sit down and play by myself and do all these cool things and have a reason to fight Blanca or whatever you know, go do Blanca's thing. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, the last thing I want to say about video games is also Mortal Kombat 1 was announced on a, a teaser trailer. Um, it's going to come out soon, surprisingly. I think this summer. Um, it's interesting. They called it Mortal Kombat 1. Makes sense. In Mortal Kombat, uh, two versions of Mortal, two or three versions of Mortal Kombat ago, they re- rebooted the entire series story-wise. 
Um, mm. kind of, so it kind of started from Mortal Kombat one and then they just redid the story from scratch, like kind of almost threw all the stuff away, kind of like they do with the MCU. You know, they have, they have the idea outline of the characters, but the whole story is all new with okay. modern day stories. And it's been really, really good. Like the story to Mortal Kombat has been really, really good. But this last game ended spoiler alert for people. If you don't want to, if you've not played this like six year old game, um, at the end, one of the main characters becomes like a God of time and they fight and kind of just the bad guy is a, a goddess of time and she destroys all of history and the, the good guy defeats her and becomes this God of time. And then is like, I'm going to reset and restart time from the dinosaur era forward and make it my own type thing. And then, so now this next game is called Mortal Kombat 1 because it's restarting the series kind of again, but now he knows everything about the past and he is in it and helping, like guiding people. He's given certain characters knowledge of their past life and to see if they make different choices. Hmm. So it's kind of neat. I, I'm, I'm excited for the story because the Mortal Kombat series is actually deviated from street fighter in that way that it, it's now it's always been very heavily story based. Um, and their single player modes are super king of the, the, the fighting game genre. Right. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm also a little, I don't know. I'm, I'm not so day one kind of person anymore with games. Um, right. Just because I have, there's so many great games out there and I have a backlog that are of these great games. Um, and if you don't have to buy that, if you don't have to play it with multiplayer, then I can wait for a year when it's like half the price. Right? Sure. Um, and I hate buying a $70 game that you play for three weeks at most and then walk away. But yeah, that's, that's, that's a couple of video game things that, that happened recently and I'm, I'm, I'm a little excited about them. Um, maybe if I get with our buddy Zahn, um, he's also a fighting game guy. Uh, we enjoy playing. Mm. He's, he's pretty good. Um, we'll get together and, and maybe I'll buy a street fighter game. Cause I know he likes those games a little bit better. Um, and we can play that one. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, what else you want to talk about our, our movie? Uh, we should cause we're running long. Oh goodness. Okay. All right. This week we watched space camp. Uh, it's camel case space camp one word there there are other things called space camp two words but we're talking about the movie from 1986 with uh uh joaquin phoenix oh no leaf phoenix his name is leaf phoenix that's right but the the alternately uh uh stage name screen named uh screen what's the word this word for that um Leah Thompson, Kelly Preston, uh, a couple other people who were in a bunch of stuff in the 80s, the adults, the, gr- the grown-ups, and I sort of recognized the main guy, but I don't know. I think he was in some 90 or 80s shows, but right. yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not entirely certain. I wonder, one of those where are they now kind of type people. Yeah, exactly. What... Uh, I, real quick about the, the leaf thing, I, I was like, what? I noticed that name, and I was like, what? What's going on with that? Because I knew it's Joaquin Phoenix, and I did a little look up. His, and he was, his, he was a, his first movie role. Yes, but when he was, I was like, that's not his. His real name is actually Joaquin. Um, right. He 
he, as a kid, chose to be called as a child actor Leaf because his family, his brothers and sisters, are named after nature things like River Phoenix. River Phoenix, okay, right? Sure. And and he was he wanted to be named after a nature thing too, so he changed his name for movies to Leaf. Obviously, he changed it back, and I mean for things and started being billed as Joaquin. But I don't blame him. Joaquin's kind of a weird name, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we both seen this before, right? But you haven't seen it in a long time. Is that right? I haven't seen it in a long time. This is one of those um, that I don't. You know, it's not in the in the pantheon of movies that we like watched the hell out of when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. But we had seen it enough times. I first experienced this with the animated. Um, uh, Secret of Nim movie uh, adapted from Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Yeah, you know the book, the the movie I'm talking about. Oh, oh uh, yeah, for 100. percent Yeah, it's a Don love, Blues, love that I movie. Think. Yeah, um, that one was another one where when I watched it later as an adult, I realized that I had watched it enough as a kid that I recognized every little sound, every vocal like tick or gasp or whatever as it was happening this movie was not quite that much but not every line but at least once per scene somebody would say a line and i'm like oh yeah that's the line i remember that that's that's the line right yeah um yeah the the slow motion talking and like as stuff's happening i'm like yeah this is because i saw this enough that i remembered all the beats Right. Yes. I remember right. what what happens, how they get into space, right, how they right. get back. There were some fuzzy details, and but as the movie unfolded, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is why. Because I know that later toward the end of the movie, John Locke says the line about... <laughs> John Locke, and, I love it, yes. And, and he's not, you know, some, some, some kid named Catherine's flying the bird whatever the exact line, like I remembered almost the exact line, but like nobody's names. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, 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 I loved this show as a kid. Like mm-hmm. as I told Sid, as we were watching this together, I said, this is the movie that was made for me. This, this is my dream. Sorry. It's not made for me, but I mean, it's like, this is wish I, what I, I wish I was max. I, I think he right. was, darn near my exact age, like Joaquin's Mm. my age. And when this came out, so transposing myself onto Max was easy. Right. And, and I was very much, very much like Max. Like I loved Luke Skywalker and star Wars and Darth Vader. And I played like he did. I dreamed of going into space. I dreamed of being in space camp with all the cool kids. Um, and, you know, I was this, this was, that was me. So I could totally be Max. And when I watched as a kid, I kind of, you know, saw myself as that. Um, so I, watching it now, I still love it. I, I love everything about it. I mean, in its simplistic 80 storytelling kind of way, it's not like a classic of all time type thing. Um, but it's, it's such a fun movie. That just is an adventure. Like I another, I would definitely put this solidly in adventure movies, um, and they they just have a good time. And I and I did love the uh, the John Locke thing. What's that guy's name? The the actor, because um, um, I, I didn't Terry, Terry Quinn, Terry O'Quinn, Quinn? or something like that. 
O'Quinn, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, I forgot he was. That was him. That the actor I couldn't didn't know yeah, him I, back I, then. I spotted him right away. Um, and Kate Capshaw, she was uh, like a couple years early before that was in Temple of Doom, right, the Indiana right. Jones movie, where she yeah. met her husband Steven Spielberg, who are still together today. Kate mm. Capshaw. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. Boy, it's, it's okay. I watched this. <laughs> I watched this while I was in the hotel. Okay. Um, stranded. So I was, I was into it for like basically until they launch. Right. Once they launch oh, okay. into space, I was like, okay. Like I started to get distracted. Oh, pulling up. IMDb I loved it once phone. they got into space. Before space, I didn't like it because it was like, wasn't space well, in spaceships, right? And you know, <laughs> right? And it's and it's all the stuff before they get into space, and even a little bit once they do, um, all the stuff on the ground at space camp is all so cheesy. It's so cheesy. It's, it's, I mean, it's the whole movie 80s. is cheesy. Let's, let's the be whole clear, mo- but yes, <laughs> the the whole movie is cheesy. And I knew. I think you mentioned this uh, when I was visiting the last of the three, the big three. There's also JPL in California, but mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> after I visited Huntsville, the last of the big three, oh yeah, uh, right, NASA yeah. NASA sites. You mentioned this, um, and that got me down the rabbit trail of looking up because I what did I see? I spotted something else that I don't remember what it was. Um, that I was like, that doesn't seem right because of course the big one is that. The space camp is in Alabama, in Huntsville. Right. And the shuttle platforms are in Florida. Right. Right. Like, even if they, like, maybe they drove the kids out there for a test, that's a 10-hour drive. Did, okay. Did they, ma- did they go to the Cape or did they go to Houston? I can't remember. Well, there are no launch pads in Houston either. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Just the landing and, stuff, right? Yeah. Right. Well, uh, no, it's... um. Mission Control, uh, hmm, you know, okay. uh, uh, Capcom. That's that's the other big, and that one's more of a. All of these are kind of like, if you don't know this, it's not a, it's not a problem. Like if you don't know that Space Camp is in Alabama and the launch pads are in Florida, yeah, you're fi- you're like, oh, it's NASA, right? Like they launch. Except the the there's a word for this. It's not coming to me. The like control room in Florida at at um, Kennedy mm-hmm. is just for launch, um, according to IMDb, which I don't know, maybe this is accurate. But um, as soon as the shuttle clears the tower, the the launch tower, all of the communication and everything gets transferred to Houston. Like Houston has yes. all of the mission control. Kennedy just does the launch. And so all those guys in the in the control room that's not the Houston control room because they're supposed to be somewhere else. I don't know whether they're supposed to be in Huntsville or Florida. Um right. they wouldn't be they wouldn't be communicating with them them either. Um and well anyway, that's my point is I went on IMDb and I was reading all these goofs. The big one, of course, is that they're not the same place. And I don't think I would have known that. And that's like, okay, maybe a kind of thing. But then throughout the movie, there are all these times where I'm like, 
which way is that window facing? <laughs> which way are they? Because now they're looking back toward the thing, and the doors are closed, which the doors on the shuttle were opened, like, as soon as they broke atmosphere because they needed to cool down all the stuff from the engines. They didn't close them again until they started re-entry. Um, and, and so the movie is just full of these, like, nitpicky inaccuracies. Oh, right? they, like it's, they, it's, yeah. They you, can't, they can't, uh, um, they can't EV walk that fast, right? Like, when they go out and come yeah. in, there's this whole long process. Like, they're looking out the window. It's this way. The, the shuttle is, is rolling I mean, side to side. But right. when you look out the window, like, the, the earth, the, the horizon of the earth is spinning the wrong way, like, as if yeah. the shuttle is tipping end over end. Like, all of this crazy stuff. And so I couldn't, like, once I started reading those things, I couldn't unsee it on the, yeah, I mean, the movie. I mean, once you realize that a robot without Wi-Fi hacks into NASA's computer and launches kids oh, into he, space, you know he, that this is not really going for any kind of accuracy. He had a parallel port. I saw him plug his printer cord <laughs> into, that, right? into that computer. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he, um, and then he lifts well, his head up, and all of a sudden he's talking to all the computers everywhere. And he, like, he, he powers yeah. up. He activates all the... And I remember as a kid that being so cool, right? Like oh, He powers sure. up and... And does the thing. And what was the other one? Oh. I wanted said, Jinx real bad. I wanted a Jinx. There's only one. The shuttle only has one radio system. And so yeah. if if they could talk to the base while they were at the tower, they would still be. But then there's no movie, right? If they can talk to NASA the whole time they're in space, there's no tension in the movie. I mean, no, there is. No. They're in space, which was another big one. They're like, if this really happened... They would get high enough to drop the uh, the the solid fuel boosters. Is that the S solid rocket? That's SRBs. They would get high enough to drop those, which, by the way, is an automated process. Nobody has to push any button. But that, yeah. of course, we need to see the 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 kids, the guy, the punk guy, not punk, the the. The rebel guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that 80s stereotype. Um, we have to see his incompetence as he can't push a button that, by the way, is on his right side and right where Andy could have easily reached it herself. Right. Um, I mean, that, I mean, that, he, he, that button the, that doesn't exist. Like they right. would do that and then they would turn around and land. Like they don't have to go into orbit once they're on that trajectory. They could bring the shuttle back down. The like asterisk in that one on IMDb was, um, admittedly, NASA has never tested any of those things, has never done any of those things. There are like several fail-safe, right? Like if they do yeah. this, they could do this. Maybe they have to go up high enough to drop those boosters and then glide back down right. or maybe glide into Europe where there are multiple site options for landing, something, something. Um, yeah. But they're like, eh. To, to to quote the great uh, the great Harrison Ford, when um, Mark Hamill comes out of the trash compactor and says, "Oh wait, shouldn't my hair be wet?" and Harrison Ford looks at him and says, "This isn't that kind of movie, kid. You know, if they're if they're right. if they're looking at your hair, that's not this kind of movie." Um, right. And and that's I mean that's that's exactly how what this is. This isn't one of those ones that you look for any kind of thing. It's not you know you're just there with the kids. Doing kids stuff, right? 
and, right. and you're, you and you're to, clearly a you, 12 year old, you, right? You, watching you, this. you have to recognize and acknowledge this is a kid's movie, right? Yes. It's a movie right. where a quirky robot that is sentient? Question mark? Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's just like anything with that, like, the, uh, uh, Goonies or, um, I'm trying to think of any other, you know, those kind of kid shows where, where, or Princess Bride, even, you know, like it's not the kind of movie where you're, you need to nitpick, nitpick, right? And, and you right. should know right off the bat when, as soon as they launch into space, you're like, okay. I mean, you might think it's kind of a little realistic when they're on the ground and they're talking about stuff. Um, but, but I not love really, how many, right, you know? I love how many times they tell the audience that the robot takes everything literally. It's like right. they treat, and they write the robot like a person. Sure. Right? Right. It's, yep. it's not a machine. It's a person that talks to people, that answers questions, that gets upset when, when, uh, when Max is, is snappy with it. Yeah. it I mean, he's it, R2-D2 so, and C-3PO is what he is. Right. It's, it's yeah. that. But he takes everything literally. Yeah. Right. And they're like, why That's do you got to be so literal? Oh, he's so literal. And then he's like, I want to go to space. Like, I already I remembered all that happening from seeing yep. it as a kid. But I'm like, we know the robot's literal. You've said it three times in <laughs> right, different but, but, in but different kids, ways from kids different don't characters. don't think of anything when they say words. Right. Right. <laughs> they right. they like, just say like remind it. Remind the kids. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, um, he he gets he gets he gets uh, tricked into. um going out to save Andy when he hears Luke or Obi-Wan over the, over the intercom telling him to use the force. Right. Like, right. I mean, that's, that's what this is. So, yeah, which that, that was, that was also very clearly of the time. So I'm like, Oh, this is, look how nerdy this kid is. He loves star Wars. And even yes. all of these other, yes. like, Space camp kids and space camp NASA employees are all rolling their eyes at the Star Wars references, which which they would have been super Star Wars nerds, <laughs> really themselves, right? But it's, it's Hollywood, exactly. right? It's it's, it's Hollywood, yeah. Sure. So so I, I again I I loved it because of the adventureness of it. You know, it's it's one of those sure. that you immediately know it what it is, and this is what you watch and see it through that lens. If you if you don't see it through that lens then there's no way you'll appreciate the movie and it never was for you type thing. Right. You know, right, it, right. even then they weren't asked, this wasn't made to be an Oscar nominated film that year. Right. It, it no. was, it's not, not those things. When, when you go watch um, fast and the furious nine, it's, it's what it is. It's not, you know, again, not going for realism to jump that tank off the side of a, an airplane. Right. Um, so you, you enjoy that, that kind of movie. And, and this did all those kind of things. I actually thought it was an hour and it was like hour and 50 minutes long. And I didn't think it, it didn't feel like that long to me, except for the first half, which was a little, you know, it moves, it moves along pretty quick. I remember thinking, I was like, oh, they're already to the launch. And I'm like, I don't want to see any more of this kid awkwardly trying to flirt with Leah Thompson. (laughs) Yes. Her maybe like in, in typical eighties fashion, like completely disinterested one scene and then smiling at him the next. Right. Yeah. So 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 dumb. The um, I I say I I, I enjoyed this time with because we we've both seen this and actually we've seen it a couple times uh, right. in the last couple years. 
Um, and this was one that I wanted to show her when she was younger around Max's age, um, so that she could see it and she enjoyed it then. So we, we got to enjoy it this time from a fun standpoint and cause we were happy with the movie as it was, but also got to, got to do some of those fun nitpicky things, not in a, you know, grown worthy way, but in a, Oh, look at, look at what they did here to do this. Like we were, the version that we saw, it was a really kind of a good version. I guess the, I don't say HD version, but when they make movies more crisp, you see way more flaws than you may have seen. See, see, see all the wires and, and oh, green you, you screens. See, you see not just the wires. You see the, the black bars where they have different colors between space and the wires that they've kind of used a marker over. Um, yeah, or they painted in the space outside the windows. or Yeah, and around their the, hair, like around their hair. when, it, when All the... All the all the zero G that's not really working because like the earrings are floating, but her her hair is still hanging down. Yeah, we 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 found a nice. That was one of our things there because there's a couple scenes where they we feel that they really put a lot of effort on this zero G stuff for for, for in like a mm. 1984 movie. Right. They they did some some good effort here. Like they they move through cabins, which is not necessarily an easy thing when there's no wires, right? Um, and then everybody has to, they're doing their best to move kind of like they're floating all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. but just a little bit. So it seems like they've put some thought into all these scenes and I, we appreciated that. Um, but Sid and I did this little game of, you know, how do we figure out what, what's up here? Where's the actual camera? Where's the gravity going? Um, mm. and the best, cause they, you know, they hairsprayed their hair and they had some other thing. You could tell like earrings, like you mentioned, but our real tell was that each of them had zippers on their clothes. Mm. And the little zipper handle thing was always wiggling down where the gravity was, wherever they were. Um, Which was like, oh, when you see that and you realize that's definitely the direction of down, you're like, oh, that kid there is holding himself up on this ledge this whole time. And it looks like he's upside down, but he's just kind of holding on to this area. I'm like, oh, that's... It's not that, it didn't ruin the movie magic for us, but it, it gave us a little bit of appreciation for the behind the scenes uh, sure. fun fun kind of stuff. So <clears throat> I, we really didn't get into the story of this thing, but um, kids go, you know, there's no real spoilers. It's all in the trailers for whatnot. But, um, you know, they go to space camp. Uh, a thing happens triggered by the robot. They get sent into outer space and kids with one adult and eventually no adult um, have to get back safely without really communicating with NASA. Um, uh, Sydney and I both appreciated that 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 girl was constantly actually clicking the SOS. You hear her in the background. Once she figures that she wants to do that, she's doing it the whole movie. Like she's, she's that's, that's another, that one's not a NASA specific goof, but I, I guess if you know Morse code or know the, I don't want to say everybody, but the Morse code most people know is SOS. Yeah, correct. Right? Th- right. Three dashes, three dots, three more dashes. Right. Um, or this other way around. Three dots, three dashes, sure. three more yeah. dots. She's doing that, but then when when Jinx comes into whatever control room they're at, oh, yeah, he's, gets messy. he starts reading actual words. Like, yes. M-I-S-S-C-O-N-T-R-L. Yes. And it's way too fast, and it's not. SOS. Like, Not at all. Ag- again, kids don't know Morse code. So no. Well, it, get, it gets worse because they start talking back to to them 
and she is still confused about what's going on. And there's then then they're saying like, oh, Andy's still alive or, or she's okay or, or whatever. They they start talking. Like mm-hmm. NASA's hearing back from them. But right. then this, the next scene is her still clicking the SOS and just figuring out that Jinx <laughs> is sending something. You're like, what, what, yeah. what, how did they, you know, this didn't make, that made, that was totally off that again, as a kid, I didn't really recognize, but, mm-hmm. but it was very apparent to both of us. Sydney was like, like wait, to, who are they talking to, to? She's not even to, on the console. Right. To a kid, it's enough that, oh, they couldn't talk. They couldn't talk to NASA this whole time. Now they figured out this trick and with Jinx there to translate and Tish knows because everything she read in a book, she knows perfectly like now they can communicate. And so mission control can, I, I also, she flips off the auto switch or he, he reaches down and yeah, Kevin reaches down and, and flips the switch. But yeah. there's a moment where Leah Thompson looks like she maybe could switch it back on. And I'm like, <laughs> When they're doing all the flat spin stuff, I'm like, couldn't they switch that auto back on? Like, why can't, <laughs> why can NASA now not remote control the shuttle like they could? And also, if they could have remote controlled the shuttle this whole time, why did the, the why did Andy and the kids in space ever have control um, in the first place? It, it's a one time shot thing, man. It's a one shot right, thing. It's right. like, you turn it off and it, wi- it's, it's, it's done. The window, you've got that window. I think. Sydney asked why why they store the containers where you can't get at them, the, the right. oxygen containers. She's like, why is it that spacesuits can't fit into the place where they store the oxygen for the space the space right. people? Right. <laughs> She's like, I, I don't understand that part. And then why? I also spent another some thing time. She said is why is Max in a normal adult size uniform, but now he can fit, even though now it's still he can an fit. adult size uniform. That, that that was in the IMDb goose too, so you could. Tell Sid that right. she, there, there's a lot she, of that. Obviously, you so, just kind of just go I, with it. I spend a while googling Daedalus Station to see if that was real. I couldn't yeah, find was any it. Was it? Did you find anything? Okay, it, I was wondering. Not that I could find. Okay, because because it, it sounds like a real thing. Uh, you know, if you're, you're watching as a kid, like, oh yeah, there's a Daedalus Space Station. I guess but, we weren't we weren't doing ISS stuff yet. Yet, though, I feel like. That was close. There was also some really unfortunate timing. I mean, this feels uh, dismissive to say it this way, but they were trying to market this movie right after the Challenger explosion. Oh, really? Right, which you don't think of like we got it on VHS, right, a couple years later and, and just watched it. But like when they were trying to put this in theaters and stuff was right after a sh- an accident with the shuttle killed you know three astronauts or whatever and you're like wow that's that's rough um, man yeah th- uh, you're right i remember thinking about that dataless space station too and, and realizing that i thought that that was a real thing it's it's so funny that they they talk about it with full confidence that oh yeah there's this there's that May, you know what maybe they were just like they couldn't use the international space station name or something and Maybe. And maybe. that's what because it's, that, that it's not there's nothing there's nothing there, right? It's like a the the station is being is still being constructed or something. Correct, correct. Well we once that movie got over with uh, Sydney was just jazz. We watched it I think at like ten o'clock at night, close to it got to be about midnight. Mm-hmm. And right after that she was like, Okay, now that we watched this movie and, and I know her her 
insinuation was like this fun, adventurous, not serious kind of space movie. She says, I want to watch The Martian. So we put in we put in The Martian, which is obviously the other way. Um, yeah, completely. And, right. Trying to be real, as real as it can. Um, right. And we, and we stayed up until 2 in the morning, watch, or 2.30, something like that in the morning, watching watching that incredible movie. Uh, so, that movie is stressful. Yeah, it's very stressful and, and, and amazingly good. So b- both of those, that was a, a fun space night for the two of us that we got to watch those two films. Um, mm. You know, one was what I would have wanted to see when I was Max's age about space. And this is a movie I would have wanted to watch when I'm um, the main character's age in this one, you know, um, Matt Damon's age in, in, at this, this time for a space movie. So I, I, I really had a great time. Uh, so coming out of this one, I didn't really did any, do any spoilers. Um, I would recommend Space Camp to anybody who loves like a Goonies, loves kid adventures. I would 100% still say if you are 12 or 13, watch it with your kids. You know, not not if you're 12 or 13, but if your kids are, you know, between right, right, right. 10 to, to maybe 14 years old. Um, you know, th- this is a really fun popcorn movie to watch that you don't have to follow too seriously or think too hard. You can get up for bathroom breaks and not really miss anything. Um, yeah. So that th- that's where I put it. Obviously not a cinematic movie history that everyone must watch, uh, but a good family movie, uh, I feel. Yeah, yeah, solid. All right, we got two. This this was uh this is episode two ninety nine. So next week is three hundred, and yep. you and I have decided for our three hundred episode we are going to watch um three hundred Field of Dreams. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we watched Field of Dreams already. I, I yeah, just, I, just, I, I watched that first, not too long ago. The first movie I could think of to to mess with your your, your bit there. Oh yes. my goodness! We're we're gonna watch three hundred. Gerard Butler, uh, Ridley Scott. It's a graphic novel, right? The the adaptation. Sure, sure. I, I don't remember. I've watched this once, and my I once wanted. I watched it at home, not in the theater, which feels like this is something I should have watched in the theater. Yeah, I think I saw it in the theater, but again, like once, and maybe never again. So. Yeah, I feel my feelings on it was that it was a big cinematic viewing experience but i don't remember almost anything of the story or if there is a story so i'm gonna have to watch this time with a little bit more of okay intently watch this movie and see what it's about and i think the story is they'll fight in the shade (laughs) that's right that's right uh all right we're we're a little over time here but i did want to squeeze one little bit in uh to one minute thing uh, we went and watched with my family. We went and watched the Little Mermaid, the new uh, live action version of Little mm. Mermaid, this last weekend. Okay. Um, I took uh, Sydney, Lola, Shelley, and uh, my oldest daughter, who's twenty twenty five, and uh, Hope, and we all went to to the, to the theater. Uh, generally, there was uh, when we came out, everybody was positive about it. Um, okay. I would say the movie is a good. It was a, it's a good movie, but it's. No better than the original. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. and, and this, Sid and I have long conversations about this, but the the real kind of what we came down to was the idea that um, Disney has done a couple, when they do these reboots, they go t- two different directions. One is that they completely retell a different story from a different angle. And I'm thinking of things like Maleficent, 
where it's not the sleeping beauty story. It's from a different perspective and they're telling a different story here. Right. Um, And those tend to be more successful. And then the other side is retelling the exact same story, nearly shot for shot, you know, with a little bit difference. And that's beauty and the beast, the lion King, and now the little mermaid and the little mermaid does this. It does make some changes. It adds to things. It gives Eric a little bit more texture in his background, which I was appreciative of. It gives, definitely gives the sisters, Ariel sisters, uh, more things, what they, what they are, are due. Um, but, and it, you know, answers a few little questions. You know, one of the things Ursula's spell does this thing, spoiler alert, is that, uh, it makes her where she can't remember that she has to get a kiss. So that mm. kind of explains why she doesn't just straight up go out and kiss him as soon as she sees him. Um, sure. but besides that and the addition of three new songs uh, and a removal of maybe one other, uh, when you have a thing that you're just kind of remaking the exact same thing, that's a classic that everyone, even today, even children today see as the standard, you're never going to reach that, that level of good. And the best you can do is just okay. I think, Mm. um, the Lion King was a good thing. It was beautiful and well done. The new Lion King, but the original is the, the gold standard of what that story is. And, Unless you do, you're not going to get better than that, even if you put it into real. So you have to do something completely different. And if you don't do it different enough, then you're going to get massively dinged for ruining a classic. Um, so, so I think Disney makes a mistake in remaking these classics and trying to make them as, as shot for shot as they were. Uh, Haley Berry, uh, I think that's her name, plays Ariel, is wonderful. She does an excellent job. Wonderful casting. Um, just perfect. She really, she, every scene, every part she did was everything you would think of as a, a live action Ariel. Just perfect. I, I love that. Um, I think all the cast was actually really, really good with the exception. I think the biggest um, downside would say Aquafina as uh, Scuttle. Uh, just, mm. you, you can't not see Aquafina. And, okay. even, yeah. You, yeah. And she has a, I know this is not going to be popular, but she has a, um, what's the guy from Hamilton? Um, Lynn Mel, Lynn Manuel Miranda rap song. It's one of the oh, new no. ones. Okay. Yeah. Aquafina doing Lynn Manuel Miranda rap, uh, as scuttle. Mm. And it's just yeah. like, Oh, like thank that. God. It's not long. It's, you know, <laughs> a minute and a half, two minutes. You're like, Oh, this is, this is awful. Please, please. Um, isn't she it, a hip hop artist? Isn't, she, isn't that where she started? I think so. I think so. But it's just not good. Um, and yeah. w- a million percent, you can tell it's him like that wrote this. It's definitely his his go. He did in Encanto, in, in and that was great. But this is just straight up kind of Hamilton rap. And okay. yeah. and it was like, oh, they clearly got <clears throat> they wanted him to have a song in here. So here you go. Um, but anyway, would I recommend people to go see it? Uh, if you like the little mermaid and you're not so like stuck on nothing can be better than that, then you're right. Go, go watch the animated thing and don't ignore that. There's a, a live action one. But if, um, you know, you want to see a little mermaid in real life, go watch this one. It's pretty fun. And I'd say the person that was the best of all the best is, um, the lady played Ursula. She's very famous. I can't think of her name. Um, she was a ghost, a female ghostbuster, um, oh Melissa gosh. McCarthy. Yes, Melissa McCarthy. I mean, you would be hard pressed to not think it was the original actress 
in a real thing doing that voice and playing that character because she was okay. incredible. Um, so well, well done to her. So I liked it because I liked the original and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, as I told Sydney, I'm okay with them changing things in the, in the MCU where I have been, you know, a diehard fan of comics for, for decades. Uh, and I have come to accept that things are just different. It doesn't lessen my value of the first one by having this different interpretation. Um, sure. Yeah, and that's that's how I that's exactly how I felt about this one. I was like, I got to appreciate it in the same way that Civil War is different than the comic book that I read. You know, sure. It's, it's just yeah. Just it, a we've topic. we've talked about it that that at length with adaptations. It took me a while to learn that any change from the source is not inherently bad, but right. then to you know, like everything, look more critically at the actual change and go, is this? Is this better or is it not? Is this bad just because it's different? No, it's bad because it's legitimately bad. Right, yes. You wheel of time. Yes, um, I, I get that. Uh, yeah, and, and that's, that, that, this, that was not this. It wasn't, there was no parts that were, there was, like I said, that, that rap was not great. But none of it was bad because it was just kind of the, the retelling of the same story. Um, and what is it? Hope said, oh, I didn't like the, for example, she says, I didn't like the, um, under the sea part because they didn't have instruments in it. And I remember in the animation, they had uh, the, the fish all had, had saxophones and stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay, can you let that go? <laughs> is that really <laughs> what's going to make you say this is a one star movie? That, that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so yeah. And anyway, I, I enjoyed it. I, all, all the blowfish blow, all the That's... blowfish. Blow. And they did have the, him go burr real big, just like that. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it it was fun, and I can say the kids the kids that were in the theater I went at a matinee time uh, mm. really enjoyed it. They were all laughing. They did laugh at Scuttle stuff at Aquafina doing the typical Scuttle things, and at um, I almost said Lumiere um, Sebastian's Sebastian. you know his his gaffes and such. Uh, sure. So so it, they they all liked it, and that's great. I love that you know kids are going to watch this. I still say that when they're going to pull out a Little Mermaid for for the kids, they're going to bring out the animated one, uh, yeah. and they and they sh- and they should. Uh, which which kind of begs the question: Who's this for? I guess right. why uh, right or, or the why C- correct? Um, but yeah, cast well done. I give them credit. I hope they get good accolades for it, um, just because they did you know. Hard work and a wonderful job and a, a very difficult thing to do. Um, yeah. Cool. cool. I uh, I finally watched Guardians 3, but we'll oh, save yeah, that right. for next oh, week because we're running long. We, we, should, um, we should talk about this next week because I, yeah. I don't have a and lot we, to say, we, but I, w- I want to ask touch, you. We can't even touch the MCU without going on for 20 minutes about the phases and all that. Well, yeah, and I, I also want to ask you how you thought of the different like things that happened in there, what you get your right. opinions on them. Cause sure. I'm mixed and I don't know what to think really, even in hindsight. And since you've seen it more recently, I can ask you what you think. Right. So let's, let's spend some time on that next week. Also, I'm going to watch probably fast X and, uh, Sp- the new Spider-Man into the spider verse this weekend. Across the spider verse. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. So I might watch those this weekend. I am I trying try to get through the fast and the furious series. It's difficult. <laughs> oh, I was I was going to suggest we do that on the show week by week, but that would take all summer. So I don't know if you're down for that, especially if you're already like halfway through it. On yeah, the- I'm on fast nine now. Oh, so you're so, almost done. 
Yeah, I've been, I've been kind of been watching that. I should have asked you. I, I that would have been a fine thing to do. That's fine. Qu- quite, quite a fun, uh, a, a summer movie for sure. I'd say fun, but it's a summer movie. Maybe I'll try and find some time to watch them myself, and we can just have a big conversation. Oh, it's it's a fun. Well, you should because it's a it's a fun conversation. I, there was an article I saw. I didn't read the article, but I loved the title of the article. It said, "When did the Fast and Furious lose its grip on reality?" And I was like, oh, that's a that's a really good question. And Dennis and I could talk about that for 20 minutes because <laughs> because was it the third movie? Was it the fifth movie? Because they have lost it at this point. But yeah. Anyway, cool. All right. You've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 299. Thanks as always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on things. If you want to reach out to us and tell us when you think the Fast and Furious franchise lost the plot, uh, you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com you can go to our website frontporchpodcast.com and use contact forms there to reach out to us if you enjoy the show please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice while you're there if you would leave us a review we always appreciate that it helps us out a lot as always thanks so much for joining us and until next time i'm dennis and i'm michael for the front porch night everybody see you next time